So today's topic is talking about encountering Jesus in desperation. Now, on the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter and James and John had experienced the glory of Jesus. Now, Jesus, uh, Jesus had taken them there to reveal His glory, which would serve to strengthen their faith as they endure the difficulties of ministry following His death, resurrection, and ascension. Now, as the men make the way down the mountain, they immediately met with difficulty. They were back into the world and would need to be ready to endure the difficulties it brings. Now, when Moses... Now, when Moses came down, uh, came down to the foot of Mount Sinai, he met with rebellion, idolatry, and apostasy. The lost people were dancing before golden calf and acknowledging it as their God. When Elijah came down from his triumph over the prophets of Baal or Mount Camel, he met the threats of the arrogance of uh, Jezebel and Ahab. And when Jesus came down, when Jesus came down from the Mount of Transfiguration, he met the hatred of the teachers of the law and the unbelief of his disciples. Now, this is a scene that we encounter in this text. Jesus, Peter, John, and James came down from the Mount of Transfiguration and encounter a great multitude. And out of the crowd, one man shouts, begging Jesus to look at his only son, who is plagued by disease similar to epilepsy. But it is more than mere epilepsy. A demon was exploiting the physical disease and make it even worse. The distraught father and treated the nine disciples who had not accompanied Jesus onto the mountain, but they could not cast the demon. So what a stark contrast between the majesty on the mountain and the situation on the plain. Peter, John, and James had just seen Jesus in his glory, talking with Moses and Elijah in glory. They had been enveloped by the cloud, and had have heard God's voice. And now they encounter a crowd of needy people with this pathetic man and his compulsing son at the forefront. So much of the 9 verse 14 says that the scribes were arguing with the disciples over the situation. They were probably using the disciples' failure to argue that Jesus himself was lacking in power. While this dispute going on, the helpless father and his desperate needy son pleaded for help. So what a scene is that? So the pathetic father appealed. He said, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said, if you can, everything is possible for one who believes. And immediately the father says, I do believe, 
help me overcome my unbelief. Now Mark explains, this kind cannot come out uh, by anything but prayer. Now we see here the failure of his disciples, which reveal the disciples' need to grow, to learn on God's mighty power. The overall picture is that even though the disciples were incompetent and in the dark of this point, Jesus is still fully in command. He knows what he is doing and where he is headed, and namely to the cross. So the lesson for us today is, in our great need, we need to desperately encounter Jesus and lay hold of his mighty power through faith. So today I will share you four points. Number one, the desperate need of the people, the destructive power of the enemy, the mighty power of God in Christ to deliver us, and the vital need for faith and obedience. So the first one, the desperate need of the people. Now because of the human race is under the curse of sin and death, which stems from the fall, we all are desperately needy. Now some of us try to mask our neediness by giving the impression of confidence and competence. If you wear a mask, you actually cannot see how you feel, whether you're laughing, smiling, or sad. Actually, you can't tell. And many others may be blinded to their need because of their youthfulness, their health, and their financial security. But the fact is, in every human being, we all are very fragile. We are a heartbeat away from eternity, our health, our wealth, our loved ones, and even our own very lives can be taken away in any instant. Now we see three groups of needy people here. Number one is the distraught father and his debilitated uh, son, the deficient disciples, and number three is the unbelieving generation. Now, the distraught father and his debilitated son Mark, uh, in the Luke 9, 38 says, a, crowd, a man in the crowd called out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only son. Now, every parent can relate to this pathetic cry for help. Our hearts go out for our children, especially when they have debilitating uh, illness or problem that cannot be resolved. And Mark chapter 9, verse 21 says, uh, Jesus asked his father, how long the boy has suffered from this problem? And the father replied, from childhood. Probably the boy was a teenager now. On other boys at his age have been learning a trade, beginning to look forward the responsibilities of manhood. But this boy's life was truly ruined by Satan. This demon was destroying the boy physically, emotionally, spiritually, and socially. The symptoms were similar to epilepsy, but the Mark 9.17 says he also has a loss of speech. So the problem was not just neurological, but it was demonic. Frankly, it is 
difficult to sort out the differences between physiological, emotional, and spiritual aspects of the person's problem, especially if the person is on drugs. But in this particular case, it is definitely a demonic uh, attack, a demonic possession. So problems like this wreck havoc on the whole family. The family becomes defined by the problem. Others describe them as the family with the demonic son. Others in the community feel uncomfortable being around with them, so they avoid them. So as a church family, we need to be sensitive with families that have problem children, be it physical, emotional, or spiritual problems, and surrounding them with the love of Christ. We need to listen without condemnation, and we need to help in practical ways. I'm sure you have such cases in our church. There are many uh, who have this kind of problem, and then we, our tendency is to avoid them. Every Sunday after church, they are actually very lonely. They go home themselves. Very few people come around and ask them to go for lunch or you know, drink because of this uh, fear uh, that the, the person may be uh, manifest or cause a lot of, uh, 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 you know, a scene and then embarrass. So this is the problem that we face in our church today. How many of us do really care and take care of them in such a situation? So the number two, the next one is the deficient disciples. Now, Jesus' statements say they could not cast out the demon and that they did not understand. In other words, uh, in other words, disciples were lacking in spiritual power and they are lacking in spiritual understanding. Now, in these ways, they show us further aspects of our neediness before God. All of us face situations, either with loved ones or personally, where if we could, we could just speak the word and deliver the loved ones ourselves or by somebody from some overwhelming problem. But the fact is, it is not easy. It can be very difficult. We all attend seminars. We all attend a lot of counseling. We all read a lot of latest books, so-called proven technique. But the problem is, doesn't budge. We lack the spiritual power to overcome them. We also lack, lack, lack the uh, spiritual understanding. Now this disciples' lack of spiritual understanding shows us that we need to totally depend on God for our spiritual insight and truth. Recently, I've been involved in some uh, deliverance uh, work in our church. There were people in our church uh, actually possessed by evil spirit. Actually, I'm not so much involved in it, but because uh, 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 they are members of the church, we have uh, people who can do deliverance, but they're not, not around, they're not free. So we have to call a few brothers and sisters uh, uh, to deliver. And then when we, we try to deliver this uh, evil spirit, they, they challenge you. They will say very typically, who are you? I'm not scared of you. I know who Jesus is, but who are you? I'm not scared of you. They will laugh at us. So this is the thing sometimes we ask ourselves, how come we don't have the authority? When we try to ask them, they come with you, and then it will challenge you. Recently, we had one case. The person said, I am the grandfather of this, of this child. I said, you are not. 
you are a familiar spirit, get out. Later on, after a while, then you say, then the, the fellow mass, uh, manifests martial art. He will come around and kick all of us. Kick it, and then hold the person down and then try to, uh, you know, and then deliver. The next one is a drunk spirit. Drunk. Really behave like drunk. I think there are many, many spirits, actually more than that. We have, we actually cast about more than five or six. But there are more. It was a very difficult case. So I asked one priest uh, who is actually involved in the delivering ministry. I asked him, how come it's so difficult? Uh? We are Christians, you know. So, I mean, we're priests. <laughs> Why the thing don't listen to us? He asked me one question. How long do you actually pray for the deliverance? I actually keep quiet. I did not say because truly enough, I have not spent time. It's just exactly like what the disciples are facing. So he told me one thing. You have to bind the strong man. There are a lot of spiritual possessive persons, but there is only one strong man. If you can get rid of this strong man, all the magi, all the way will run away. The strong man. How to get a strong man? That is, they, they tell me, you must diagnose. The spirit will give the name. He's going, I'm Alicia. Today I ask him, are you still Alicia? No, 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 I'm not Alicia. So that means that spirit is gone. So that's what we learn. And the only thing we, we, we really need to know is that we must pray. Even before the person comes to deliverance ministry, the, the evil spirit told the person not to go for deliverance ministry. He said, don't go. Don't go. But the person resisted go. So the spiritual realm, the battle is fought in prayer even before we go to physically meet the person. So we need to pray one week, one month ahead of the divine ministry, the battle has been fought in the heavenlies. So when you go there and meet the evil spirit, they will flee because you already won the battle in the spiritual realm. No, then, then. Then the fellow will try to uh, spy with you, frighten you with all kinds of things, swearing and all that, and then it's demonstrate their own uh, 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 thing. So this is the thing we learn that it is not easy. We have to spend time. We really have to pray against this one. So that is a lesson for all of us uh, uh, for, for this encounter. So now the next group of people is the unbelieving generation. Now Mark 9, 13, uh, 19 say, Jesus said, you unbelieving generation. And in Luke 9, 41, he says, oh, unbelieving and perverted generation. Now, Jesus is echoing Moses' words about the generation that fell in the wilderness. Now, in Deuteronomy, it says 32, uh, in 32, 5, it says, They are corrupt and not his children. To their shame, they were a rapt and crooked generation. Now, perhaps after just communion with Moses and Elijah on the mountain, discussing his own impending departure, Jesus was especially aware of how far this generation was from God. Jesus is directing his rebuke to the religious leaders and the multitude. That entire generation will soon reject and kill the Messiah. So in that sense, they were unbelieving and perverted. So the next point we have is the destructive power of the enemy. Now, the Bible teaches that evil is not just an impersonal force, but rather it exists and is furthered through Satan and the demons, which are personal spiritual beings. 
When we deliver the person that day, the person asked for reinforcement. The person sat down and said a prayer. Lucifer come, wow, asking for reinforcement. People was like, wow, this people can also can ask for reinforcement, you know. Wow, I said, this is uh, the first time I see it. So we also pray very hard to fight that thing. So they have this uh, force that is linked to Satan. Satan behind uh, giving them all the force that will cause havoc. So we must know the real person behind all thing. The whole thing is Satan behind uh, all these demonic force. So uh, we, we really need to, to know that Satan is a deceiver who often draws people into his web by promising them what they desire, and his goal is to kill, steal, and destroy. You find a lot of newspapers nowadays that people got cheated, people scammed. I cannot believe how come they get cheated their money so easily, 100,000, so much money can be, can be cheated by people just over the phone. It's because of the greed, because of the voices they listen to, and, and indeed they are, they are cheated. And that is a voice from the demonic force. So this is something that demons are doing nowadays. So Jesus, in this case, uh, told his disciples that this kind of demon is more difficult to remove than others, which indicates that some demons are more powerful than others. So we had the principalities, they are very powerful, uh, a demonic angel, so a fallen angel. So we know that when the person possessed by evil spirit, they are ranking. That's why they, that's why they say, you bind the strong man, all the machai, all the small ones will run away. They will be always scared. So you must sense demonic force. So they, in this case, uh, the, the boy who was uh, muted, there is no indication that this boy or his parents have done something to open the boy to demonic power. So apparently, it's something that God permitted to drive this family to Christ. Right? Sometimes this happens because God has a purpose. With that incident, it brings you to Christ. So we don't understand, but it happened. So while most of our problems are due to the flesh, not directly to demons, we need to be on guard against terrible, destructive power of Satan. So as we understand, Demons does not possess a believer, okay? If you are a Christian, it cannot possess you, but they can plague and harass you. They cannot come to you because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit with you. The demon cannot attack you, cannot possess you. But be careful to do nothing to open the door to demonic power, such as, uh, yeah, the gathering of this occult paraphernalia. You have to destroy Oja board if you evolve in. You do not consult horoscope or fortune tellers. You do not watch movies or read books that deal with satanic uh, themes. And do not read account about Satan worshippers. There are many, many things that people can involve. Like this person we're dealing with, there's so many things. We have uh, what we call a list of, uh, of, of questionnaire before we do deliverance. There are about five or seven pages. And this person, every page got things to, uh, the person wrote. Wow, this is not, a, not an easy case. So don't get involved in all these things. They have even games. Now, these children, we are very concerned. Children playing games, all those uh, killing, all that. Actually, it actually can cause demonic to, to, to possess you. 
So games and songs that you listen to. Yeah? So we should not be naive. To, we face an enemy who is far more powerful and cunning than we are. We should not fear him either because God is more powerful. But neither should we underestimate the power. So the next one is the mighty power of God in Christ to deliver us. Now Luke describes the boy's terrible convulsions in detail, but then simply says, Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the boy and gave him back to his uh, father. Now then he clarifies what happened by showing the reaction of the crowd. They were all amazed at the greatness of God. So the result of that is that people were amazed and they will really give glory to God. So the good news is that greater is He who is in you than He who is in the world. And Jesus says to this distraught father, all things are possible uh, to him who believes. So this is one of the statements that we all believe in theory, but it becomes increasingly difficult to practice the more we think about it. Now, if God's power is so great that all things are possible to believers, then why is it there's so much pain and suffering in this world? People can ask you. Why do so many people suffer while the evil people prosper? Why do stubborn, stubborn family problems uh, divorce and divorce abound even in Christian families? Why don't hospitals go out of business and police departments and armies dissolve from lack of need if God's mighty power is available to His people. Well, it would be wrong to take Jesus' words further than He Himself meant them. Actually, obviously, all things means all things within the will of God. Uh, not everything, uh, but things that is within the will of God. So we must affirm that in the present age, the will of God in the broader sense includes the presence of evil and suffering. If all things were applied to everyone, it will have to apply to Jesus. And yet he did not use the mighty power of God to escape the cross. In fact, Jesus affirms the cross in this very context. And also it is easy to make a mistake that our will for God's will, even when we think we are following God. Sometimes we think we are following God, we're doing God's will, but you may be mistaken. Take for example, if we knew of godly, powerful young evangelists, suppose you know somebody, very powerful young evangelists, whose messages were turning many people to God, we would not think of to be God's will for him to be cut down after less than one year's ministry. But yet, yet this is precisely what happened to John the Baptist. John the Baptist's ministry, only one year. After all the preparation, his ministry only lasts from one year. After that, he was executed. So you can never understand why why only one year so for some reason it was God's will 
a few later, uh, uh, years later to deliver Peter from prison and extend his life. But it was not God's will to deliver James who was killed by Herod. So why James and why not Peter? No one can answer that question. But when it was God's will to deliver Peter, the most secure prison and strongest guard were no match for God's power. We need to be careful not to claim that we know with certainty in advance how God acts because we are prone to, mis- to, be, to make mistakes. We cannot say, oh, because of this one, this thing can happen, but actually God may have other plans. So we should not presumption, presumptuous or things. When we pray for somebody, maybe heal according uh, to God's grace, but it may, may not, we don't know, but it's comp- uh, really up to God. So, God often does deliver us instantly or miraculously because we need to learn to walk by faith. Sometimes He doesn't deliver us at all for reasons in His sovereign will that we don't understand. But we must call out to God in faith and trust His power that is available to us through Christ. So as Jeremiah prayed, when the Nebuchadnezzar army was besieging Jesus, uh, uh, Jerusalem, he prayed this, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made heavens and the earth by your great power, by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. So while this is a story about God's ability to deliver this boy from this demon and from disease, it is also a picture of God's power to save the most difficult people from Satan's dominion. It is still God can do it. I, listened to, I heard somebody say there was one person from Tawau uh, delivered of 30 evil spirits. 30. Wow, I said that is a long process, but managed to be delivered and set free. Now, if we have the heaven's perspective, uh, we would realize that it is far greater miracle for Jesus Christ to save a lost sinner from Satan's power than for him to heal someone from a physical ailment. I'm not talking about that we cannot pray for healing, but that is the difference. Physical healing is only a temporary extension of life, but spiritual deliverance goes on for eternity. When we pray for somebody who is sick or what, we always ask, do you know Jesus? That is the first step. We don't go and, you know, just go straight and pray for the uh, uh, healing. Do you know Christ? You know Christ, then I pray for you. You go to hospital visitation, you do not simply come pray for people, right? You ask, do you know Jesus? You want to receive Jesus? Then if you do, then I can pray for your healing. Otherwise, you cannot. So this is one thing that we need to make very clear. What is the objective of healing? Oh, the earthbound mind marvel at hearing a miracle of physical healing. But the angels in heaven marvel over a soul safe from hell. That is the more important thing, spiritual healing. So we will see this, we will spend more time, if we see this, we spend more time asking God to bring us people who are lost to share the gospel to them and heal them spiritually. That is the most important thing because it lasts forever. They see the future. Life is just temporary. So even though a person is sick, he can still glorify God. There are many people who are not healed. But yet they glorify God. They give a very good testimony of, of their patience and courage to live on. So we need to look at 
heaven's perspective. So the last point is the vital need for faith and obedience. So the need, the need for faith is indicated in Jesus' rebuke. Oh, unbelieving generation. Now Matthew reports that the disciples asked Jesus privately why they could not cast out this demon. And he replied, because of the littleness of your faith. True faith is always is inseparable from obedience, which is implied that when Jesus calls them a perverted generation, to be perverted, perverted is to go astray from the path of God's righteous ways as revealed in this word. We cannot claim to be a trusting God if we knowingly, knowingly disobey His word. If we are Christian, we have to obey God's word, right? If we don't, how can you say you're trusting God? So our, this father, the boy's father, was trying to believe, although he was quick to acknowledge his shortcoming by saying, I do believe, but help my unbelief. But he shows us what every parent should do when his children is in trouble. Namely, you bring them to Jesus. Bring them to Him as often as you need to because He invites us to cast all our cares on Him. Bring them to Him believing that He's able to do far more than we can ask or even think. So when we have trouble, when we have situation, every day we should pray for our family. Things happen because we don't pray. The demonic forces attack first before you even pray. So when we bring them to God, there's one thing you need to think about. is this. As we bring our needs to Him, we need to examine your life, our life, uh, beginning on the top level to see if there is anything displeasing to Him, ourselves. Then, confess and turn from any known sin and seek Him for grace to grow in holiness in thought and deed. So this story should encourage us to bring our problems to the Lord because He is gracious to work on our behalf. And when our faith is weak and our understanding is misdirected, he didn't wait. He didn't wait until this father had great faith to deliver his son. He didn't wait until the disciples arrived with strong faith and crystal clear understanding before he used them in his purpose and is full of compassion and mercy. So if we have troubles and problems to him, it, uh, we, even though our faith, right, could be weak and our understanding could be cloudy, God is gracious by His mighty power. I want to show you a testimony of my own family. My daughter at the time was three years old. Uh, let me show you a picture. Jesus' compassion for children. My daughter was three years old. When she was three years old, she was able to talk. But suddenly, she stopped talking. She started to use sign language. When she want water, she will show. Very good sign language. She said, hey, how come? You want sweet? You will just point and then we know what she wants. We ask her to say thank you or what? Doesn't want to say. For three months, she stopped talking. She actually can say teapot, butterfly, you know, television, she can say. But she stopped talking for three months and we are very worried. So I told uh, uh, my wife uh, what happened to her. So in our church in All Saints Cathedral, the time there was a small uh, there was a chapel on the right side where the priests have uh, evening service on a Sunday. So while the sister asks us, why don't you bring your daughter to 
pray for. That time, I was actually not so uh, committed Christian. I was just like a normal uh, 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 Christian. So again, okay, so I brought, I brought her, uh, I brought actually to ask a priest. So the priest said, go to see doctor first, maybe because uh, your daughter got a problem. So okay, so my wife took the, uh, the, the, our daughter to the hospital and doctor checked her, her and found that nothing wrong with her. Maybe autism, or maybe um, something wrong with your family or uh, problem. So we were very concerned. So we said, okay, we must go and bring the child to the cathedral to pray for. So we took the child to the uh, cathedral, uh, vestry, and the priest laid hand on her and he said, I felt something left her throat. The time we were actually crying there. So when we went home, eh, she started to talk. Eh? So we said, wow, she was delivered until now. So then I started to wonder, why God, this thing happened in a Christian family? I'm a Christian, you know, the time nominal Christian. How come the evil spirit can attack? We asked another priest, say, it could be a dumb spirit attack her, cast out. So I, I was very concerned, how come a Christian family can let this demonic attack? Then the priest prayed for me. So when he prayed for me, he had a vision of a boomerang. Boomerang? You know, the boomerang? You Australia used to throw and come back, right? So he said, your life is like a boomerang. If you can use this boomerang to throw out, you will come back and, and return whatever you do. But the problem with the boomerang is it has a hole in the center. It cannot be thrown out. So you're stuck. Your life is stuck. So you must get rid of your problems before God can use you. Then two weeks later, my niece came from Australia and she bought me two boomerang. I was just shocked. What? Why you buy the He said, well, I don't know. I just go and look for it. One, the boomerang is uh, it's really can throw, not really, really uh, thing. But the one that he shocked me was this one. I still have this as a testimony. It's this one she gave me with a ring in the center. Wow, I said, my goodness, isn't this just the one that the vision has? So I go and show it to the uh, priest and say, that's exactly God confirmed you the vision. You may, the time you may not believe, but God warned you. And it's this time he showed you that it's true. Then after that, I changed. So you throw out this, 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 this uh, incident. Why my daughter had that? It led the way to my, change my life. Because after that, I saw all, all these years, God, I'm, I'm the one that, that needs to be changed through this incident. So the same thing with this story. The man, at the end, he changed because God used the incident to change the father, the family. So I thank God for the delivery. Now my daughter is in Australia, in Perth. Uh, she's normal, and uh, they have two children now. So just amazing. I said, God, really, God deal with us. So if you have problems and, and uh, difficulties, do not try to uh, uh, blame God. There is something, like just I share, examine yourself. Check yourself. Why, God? I'll be, don't be surprised. God has something to teach you. So in conclusion, we all face difficulties in life. Are you desperate in overcoming difficulties in life? Could be anything. Well, faith, faith in the Lord is essential to overcome the experience, to experience victory. The Lord has the ability to meet our needs and increase our faith. We must trust Him to provide even when it appears hopeless. Huh? So we must come to Him in repentance and faith. 
if you are yet not unsaved, come to Christ for salvation. The important thing is you must know Christ. Recently, I have one funeral service for a man. He's a single. Uh, he take care of his uh, mother. Mother was very old, 80 plus. So we have a funeral. I actually conducted it. Uh, he's about my age. So uh, he said, I want a very simple one. And so in the funeral service, only four people were there. Himself, his brother is in Australia. Uh, the, the, daughter, uh, the, the sister-in-law and the two sons were there. So only there. But never mind. For me, funeral is the best time for you to preach the gospel. Always opportunity. So I always tell, it is the time for us to go share. So I, I, I told them, uh, uh, I, I share. The next day, this man came to me and said, I want to receive Holy Communion. I said, huh, Holy Communion? He said, actually, I was baptized on year, but not confirmed. Oh, so I said, wow, wow, God, this is an uh, opportunity uh, uh, to, to, to uh, share the gospel. Actually, this person, for so many years, 70 years, doesn't know the Lord. He's not saved. He's only baptized. He thought he was a Christian, but he's not. So I said, yes, I will do the confirmation with class Even though we already late, confirmation actually in our church is uh, end of uh, October. I said, never mind. I will do it personally with you. And he is very particular. He wants the priest to do it. He wants the pastor. I, I recommend a, a, a lady boy. No. Double A, he said. No pankat, no other one. <laughs> so I said, okay, I'll do it with you. I said, because God loves you. I don't want to miss you. Your salvation is important. I will do for you. But you follow my time. Even the day when I asked the guy, he doesn't give a lot of excuses, but at the end he came. Wow, I said, thank God. God loves you so much. Give you opportunity to know the Christ. So we are really start doing that. So times you look at these circumstances. We are available for God to serve Him. Our circumstances look like so difficult, but God is always there with a purpose. So this morning, I want to ask any one of you that you have difficulties, you have problems, which it seems like, why? Why like that, like that, like that? But remember, God has a purpose for everything. Be ready to surrender to God and seek God. So can I ask the musician to... Now, this song is very meaningful. It's, I am desperate for you. So if anything that we reach the situation where you're desperate for God, God will hear you, right? God will never abandon us. No matter what it is, if you come to God with a contrived heart, God will answer your prayer. So as they've seen this song at the end, we would like to pray for anybody uh, who has face this situation in your life or you want to know God more or you don't know the Lord I would like to welcome you to receive the salvation from God because that is for eternity what you have facing now is only temporary don't look at this small one future is important especially for the young ones we really pray that God will protect them nowadays there's so much things going on in the world we really ask God Lord every day I need to pray for protection. So I'd like the musician play the song. Listen to the words. And after that, I would like to ask anyone who wants ministry, you come, we pray for you. And the Holy Spirit will, will touch you.